stay connected. Sign up for our newsletter. Go beyond your favorite Voice America shows. Visit iradioblog.com. Help, I need somebody. Help, not just anybody. Help, you know I need someone. Welcome to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. Family caregivers don't have to be alone in their experiences. You will hear from experts and other caregivers facing the same issues that you may be facing. Now, here is your host, Dr. Gordon Atherley. Welcome to Family Caregivers Unite. This is Dr. Gordon Atherley, your host. I'm a physician trained in Britain, living in Canada, and who's worked in the U.S. Since I retired from medical practice, I've become an activist for family caregiving, which explains the name of the show, Family Caregivers Unite. Now, our topic today is How Don Found His Voice, a story from life with cerebral palsy. So just a quick word first about cerebral palsy. It's the name for some disorders of the brain and the nervous system that affect things like speaking and movement, which are the problems our two guests are going to be talking about today. Cerebral palsy is caused by injuries or abnormalities of the brain. It occurs as a baby grows in the womb, though it can happen at any time during the first two years of life. It's caused by many things, including bleeding in the brain, brain infections, head injury. But in some cases, uh, its cause remains a mystery. Its symptoms vary from mild to very severe. It's a lifelong challenge. And one of its complications is social stigma. It has no cure, so the aim of treatment is to help the person be as independent as possible. Now, my guests are Don Smith and Jane Field, and they're going to talk about how Don got his voice, among other things, and that's an important part of independence. Now, Don and Jane have worked together to record Don's life story since they met in a community literacy program 22 years ago. So at the end of 2010, they published the book, Finding My Voice, Stories from My Life. Jane's a former high school teacher and literacy worker. She's a writer, singer-songwriter, a speaker and performer in the Toronto area. She was a wheelchair user for 15 years because she'd been quadriplegic for six of those years before she learned that she had a treatable disease. Now, thanks to extensive treatment, she no longer requires a wheelchair. Don was born in Prince Edward Island and now lives in Toronto. He's an inventor, an artist and a passionate animal lover, but also a country music fan. As a child, his communication was mostly by non-verbal vocalizations, facial expressions and gestures. Born with cerebral palsy and unable to speak in the conventional way, he's used many means of communication over the years. Now he has his voice. So, Jane and Don, welcome to the show. Hi, Gordon. Thank you. Great. Now, first question for Jane. Please tell us just a little bit more about how and when you came to know John, Don and how and why you came to help him write his life story. 
Well, Don and I first met back in 1989 in an adult uh, literacy program. It wasn't just a literacy program, though. It was uh, called Designing AIDS for Disabled Adults. And I went originally just to learn a bit about using the computer myself, as I was disabled at the time. And while I was there, I met Don, and the staff there thought that Don and I would really hit it off. And I began to help Don with literacy and to help him develop a communication book that he could use to um, just be able to talk to people that he met. And I realized that uh, Don had come from living in rural Prince Edward Island, and he had been in Toronto for only five years at that time, and his life had completely changed. From the moment that I met him, we were um, just really good friends, and and gradually our friendship developed, and we stopped really working together as a literacy learner and tutor pair, but just began to work together as friends. And I could see that Don had an incredible life story that really needed to be told. Now, I just want you to tell us a bit more about Don's voice and how now we're going to hear it. Well, Don speaks in in many different ways. He says a lot just by the way he looks at you. (laughs) And uh, with his very expressive eyes, his smile and his laughter, um, he vocalizes and says yes and no quite clearly. Right, Don? And um, he also has latterly been using a, a voice communication system. In his case, it's a system called a Dynavox. And um, he'll be using his Dynavox in this interview, as well as just uh, mere, merely vocalizing, as he just demonstrated. Great. Now, Don, it's your turn, please. Please tell us about your experience with cerebral palsy. Hello. How's it going? Hello. How's it going? You're doing fine. I have trouble speaking because I have cerebral palsy. And you... This machine to talk, please listen carefully and let me know if you cannot understand me. I'm understanding you very well. Okay. One second, Dawn's going to tell us a bit about cerebral palsy. I was born in Alperman, Prince Edward Island on April 4, 1938. I was born with cerebral palsy. I had brain damage at birth. I could not walk or talk. I can use my right hand. Cerebral palsy is just part of who I am. It does not affect my mind or my feelings. I am Donald Smith first. And you speak now what you think. Um, You speak about your experiences and you have conversations in the way that you're having conversations with us right now. That's right, isn't it? Great. 
Jane, I'd just like you to tell us a little bit more about the technology that Don is using that has just he's just used to speak to us. Well, <laughs> I'm probably the worst person you could ask about technology, um, but it's a, it's really quite a marvelous system. It's it's made by Dynavox, which is um, just mm -hmm. one maker of uh, voice communication systems. And Don has uh, some pictures and symbols that he can easily recognize to find things he wants to say. He also spells to some extent, but um, spelling has never been a strong point. But he's uh, very uh, inventive and finds ways to remember how to how to recall things and it's almost like having uh, you know your your brain open up before you on a screen as you try to find the words that you want to use the things you want to say and for Don um, it requires quite a quite a lot of patience both for Don as it gets frustrating when you can't find the things you want to say and patience for the listener because it's it's very hard for people not to jump in and to, especially for talking this way, we don't have visual cues to go on, so it's hard for you to tell when Don's finished speaking or when he's still speaking. Yeah, that's quite gotcha. right. I, I fell into that trap and I apologize <laughs> for it. But Jane, I'd just like to, you to say a little bit more. How did does Don uh, enter the information that, or how did he answer the information that came through to us so clearly in the form of the speech we, would, we were just listening to? How did he put the information in? He uh, programs the, an individual key on the computer screen. So he, he has maybe 20 keys that come up at any one time on a page on his Dynavox and then he's able to enter text in a box and then save it and give it a particular symbol that will help him find it later when he wants to say that particular phrase. Um, one, one difficulty that, that Don and those who are helping him are running into with the Dynavox is that um, Don has a tendency to want to save all the things that he says and because you just never know when you might want to say that particular thing again. But the problem is then gradually the computer memory gets used up. Imagine for us, if, if any of us who speak in the conventional way saved every single phrase we ever uttered, how much our brains would be filled. <laughs> it's, it's an interesting problem. So Don is working on that one, sort of clearing up um, phrases that he might have used a few years ago that aren't really pertinent right now. It does get a bit cluttered. <laughs> I can understand that. What you're describing to us is a whole new way of communicating from the brain, as we're thinking, to the voice, to the people who are listening to us. And it, it must be like learning a, a language, a new language. Is that right? Don says you've got it. <laughs> Don, English is a, is really a second language. So for Don, um, 
and we had Don and I had this conversation when we were working on his book, how he really thinks visually. And for me, as an English teacher, I tend to think in full paragraphs with complete punctuation and uh, just read my thoughts back. Don, Don thinks very differently than I think. He thinks in images and pictures, and then he has to kind of translate the pictures in his head into words that someone will then be able to understand as he uh, speaks with the Dynavox. Very clear. Now, it's time for us to take a short break. This is where we pay the rent. This is Dr. Gordon Adderley, and my guest is Don guests are Don Smith and Jane Field. You're listening to Family Caregivers Unite on the Voice America Variety Channel. Please stay tuned. We will be back. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. Yeah! If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. Healing occurs from the inside out. To awaken and activate the body's healing mechanisms, your emotions and thought patterns must be addressed and aligned with your truth. These concepts are discussed in detail on The Light Within, Awakening the Inner Healer, with host Joan Jacobs. We'll introduce you to a new way to interpret and address your body's language of symptoms and how to turn disease into a platform of profound personal growth. Tune in to The Light Within, live every Saturday at 8 a.m. U.S. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. You've got your family and you need to keep talking and you need to keep understanding and look into yourself, who you are, what kind of person you want to be. What would be the one most simple advice you would give to a healing agoraphobic? I don't know if it's a panic attack or whatever it is. It's happening very frequently. I don't have to be in any place where there's no air. It can happen even on the road. People get over things. You can't look back. You've got to look forward and learn something from your past. Join Dr. Raymond Hamden in the psychologist chair every Tuesday at 9 a.m. U.S. Pacific Time on Voice America Variety. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com You know I need someone. You are listening to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please address them by email to docg at mymonami.com. That's doc, letter G, at mymonami.com. Now, back to Family Caregivers Unite. Welcome back to our listeners to Family Caregivers Unite. And our guests, Don Smith and Jane Field. Our topic is How Don Found His Voice, A Story from Life with Cerebral Palsy. So let's talk about Don's life with cerebral palsy, and particularly about the people who were his family caregivers. So Jane, first of all, who were the family caregivers in Don's life? Well, the, the primary caregiver in Don's life was his mother, Bernice, and uh, Bernice, uh, she was really Don's aunt, but she became his mother. And for Don, Bernice is, is his mother. And 
Bernice's father, um, so Don's grandfather, they, they brought Don up in PEI, and um, they were, of course, the, the caregivers for Don. Um, they did everything for him. His father was wonderful at building him things that would enable Don to, right from the beginning, to do whatever he could independently. Don was able to help with potato planting, um, with taking the cows out to pasture, all sorts of things around the home. And later, as he, when he was older, he helped his mother with the family accounting. Um, Don wanted me to say that his mother not only cared for him and his sister, but she was a born caregiver. She took in children, provided a place for many, many young people in the community to crash or just hang out and feel loved and cared for. She was she just had so much love. When Don talks about his mother, he still, sorry Don, he still to this day gets very emotional just remembering what a marvelous caregiver his mother was. And for 45 years he lived with Bernice uh, in their little house in rural Prince Edward Island. Um, after she died, when Don was 45 years old, Don moved up to Ontario to live with his sister who had come here some years before. And they've been wonderful for Don, helping with his attendant care. He lives in, in an independent bachelor apartment in the basement of his sister's house. And uh, they're just, they're there for him in so many capacities. So Don will get emotional talking about family, but family caregivers are indeed uh, just what has helped Don to be independent. I think one thing people... Jane, often... Jane I'm yeah. just going to interrupt, interrupt you because I, at this point I don't want to leave the question or the matters of um, Don's family caregivers because I would like to ask him a question about the family caregivers when he was in Prince Edward Island. Uh, we'll come back to the Toronto life a little later on. So Don, question for you. Please tell us about your life with Bernice and your dad. My parents both had many jobs. My mother ran the house and the farm, but also worked cleaning the bank in town. My dad also did a lot. Jane will read a short passage from my book about him. So Don wanted me to read a little bit from his chapter in his book called Making Ends Meet. Is that okay? Yes, absolutely. Go to that. Um, so Don was in his book describing the many, many jobs that both his parents had. He wrote... Dad was up every morning at 5 o'clock milking our four cows. Mm -hmm. At 9 a.m., he would leave to deliver the mail to 100 houses using his horse and wagon. I would often go along with him in the wagon when the weather was good. It took about two hours for him to complete his route, and when it was done, he would go to work building roads. He worked on the roads until 5 p.m. and would return home to do farm work until 8 p.m., he took it all in his stride and seemed to juggle all these different jobs with ease. He certainly never complained about his workload. 
He and my mother also worked for the local government, collecting property taxes and enforcing and collecting the gasoline tax. On top of all these occupations, my dad was also a member of the local volunteer fire department. He was certainly a man of many different hats and a key figure in the town. Quite a story. Now, I want to ask you, Don, please, about your getting a wheelchair for the very first time. Please tell us about that. I did not have a wheelchair until I was about eight years old. It was an old wooden chair. My niece helped me get my first power wheelchair. Indeed she did. That's a wonderful story that Don has in his book about how his niece got him his first chair. Please, Jane, please tell us that story. Well, not to, to give it all away, but um, right. Don, Don's very first wheelchair, as he said, was an old wooden wheelchair. It, it looks just like something you would think hadn't been used since the late 1800s. And it was uh, procured for him by his mother after many, many letters to the Red Cross. And eventually this old wooden wheelchair was... Uh, dug up from somewhere for Don. So he used that um, for quite a long time, but when he was a, a young man, his niece was down on a visit. Uh, she would come down with Don's sister, Bonnie, for many summers in PEI. And I guess she decided at some point that her uncle needed, needed a wheelchair, needed a way to get around, and she thought he should have a power wheelchair. She began saving up Dominion Store tapes because she heard that if you saved enough of those tapes, things like wheelchairs could be purchased. And uh, word got out that she was collecting them, and soon she had saved enough, over $400,000 worth of Dominion Store tapes, to get a wheelchair for Don. And uh, in his book, he describes how that first wheelchair arrived and, and his reaction. But... It's a really wonderful, wonderful thing that she did. Can you just, Can give, you just us, give us a date for when that wheelchair arrived? When did it first arrive in his life? <laughs> oh, I'm trying to think. It was, it was about 1970, um, early 1970s. Um, yeah, in the 1970s yeah. anyway. Don was... Uh, uh, in his 30s, I think. Yeah. So he had uh, been quite a long time without such a, a means of getting around. This all, this probably, this next question I'm going to ask you is probably a book in itself. But Jane, please tell us a, your impression of the difference that the power wheelchair made to Don and his life. <laughs> well, it certainly could be a book, um, because once Don had a power wheelchair, he was suddenly able to, to go out into the world and explore 
as long as as there were places that the wheelchair could go and and he explored many places that a wheelchair should never go <laughs> as well um getting he actually never did get stuck in the cow pasture but he had a few adventures in Toronto um with his wheelchair and the wheelchair tipping over and um being stuck in a culvert in a ravine behind his house in Scarborough um various places but but that's that i think says more about who don is than about the wheelchair because <laughs> he just uh, is the kind of person to to just take life by the horns and uh, just you know plow ahead and see what he can learn what he can find out where he can get to um it enabled him to dance and dancing was something um wonderful that don hadn't had any way to take part in before he was able to go to a a local country music country music bar and restaurant and and get up on the dance floor so it it really opened up uh many new paths for him wheelchair hockey he took part in electric wheelchair hockey for a while in a a league at uh that was out of Blue Ridge Children's Hospital so he um has certainly made very good use of of his wheels he don told us um that he uses his right hand now i imagine that means that he uses his right hand to steer the wheelchair is that right uh. yes um how does that steering work what what in other words i've seen wheelchairs with what looks like a stick sticking up from a control and as i understand it you move it from side to side or backwards and forwards to steel steel steer the wheelchair don is that right uh, yeah yeah that's right and actually it's very appropriately i think called a joystick <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yes i've not just to share something about me i was once upon a time an air force pilot and that's a term we used to use so i can re- relate very strongly to that but the show isn't about my history it's about don's now i just the last last question about this wheelchair um it's electric it needs to be charged up so where does don keep it um when he's not using it overnight and so on well he he charges it in his room beside his bed and in addition to having to keep the wheelchair charged up of course he has to keep his dynavox charged up and i had a slight moment of panic when he arrived this evening for this interview because i thought that he didn't have the plug connection part that allows the dynavox to continually charge off the wheelchair battery and i was afraid that the dynavox might um decide to give up the ghost but fortunately i just wasn't looking in the right place and the the cord was there so it's all plugged in <laughs> well it's all i can say is it's doing just fine now and once more it is time for us to take the break so we're going to take it now because the rent's important <laughs> 
Um, this is Dr. Gordon Adley, and my guests are Don Smith and Jane Field. You're listening to Family Caregivers Unite on the Voice America Variety Channel. Stay tuned. We're coming back with more of this fascinating story. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com Do you know what a brat is? No, we're not talking about that kind of brat. Brat stands for British Regimental Attached Traveler. It was adopted by American culture after World War II when American military began long-term assignments at U.S. military installations worldwide. Learn about the Brat culture, the Lost Tribe, by tuning in to BratCon Radio with host Dennis Campbell and associate producer and co-host Jerry Glass. There are almost 8 million living brats. Hear from them and from guests who studied or examined them. Tune in Thursdays at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Variety Channel. Dialogue is the single most powerful leadership tool we have to make a difference in the world. Leading conversations with host Cheryl Esposito creates a place for that dialogue. Tune into the Voice America Business Channel every Friday as Cheryl hosts new conversations among leaders from around the world in business, government, art, economics, and social change. We'll explore big ideas and everyday actions and learn how their own leadership has led them to discover a newfound sense of possibility in the world. Leading conversations with Cheryl Esposito, bringing big thinkers together in conversations that make a difference right here on the Voice America Business Channel every Friday morning at 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. You know I need someone. You are listening to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please address them by email to docg at mymonami.com. That's doc, letter G, at mymonami.com. Now, back to Family Caregivers Unite. Welcome back to our listeners to Family Caregivers Unite, Don Smith and Jane Field. Our topic is How Don Found His Voice, a story from life with cerebral palsy. So now let's talk about Don's communications. First of all, Jane, please tell us about how Don communicated with his dad and his mom back in the days in PEI. Okay, Don. When Don was a child, a lot of his communication was intuitive. Um, And by that, he means that really his mother understood him so well, she could interpret his sounds, his facial expressions perfectly. And a lot of times, (laughs) I guess that can make a a person a little bit lazy in terms of communicating because um, you're just so immediately understood. There's not a need for a big, long explanation but um, Don is anything but lazy, and, and he was always finding ways to, to develop his communication skills. He learned a bit of spelling, and he would write the initial letter of a word kind of in the air or on his shirt, um, and then 
the person he was communicating with would try to figure out what letter he was drawing and then start thinking of words that begin with that letter that might be the words that Don wants to say. And Don still uses what I call his sweater writing uh, Uh quite a bit because old habits die hard. Um, But it, it, and it can be quite effective too because, um, you know, the Dynavox has, has many advantages, but it also has disadvantages in that it's, it's slow, it's laborious, and sometimes all you want is a quick word. You want someone to understand you really quickly, and it's easier for Don just to vocalize or just to look a certain way with his eyes, um, to laugh, or, you know, just a very simple kind of communication. Right, right. Don, question, my question for you now. What happened to your communications after your mom died? Well, I think I might need to help with that one a bit. Don didn't, okay. didn't um, program that specifically. But, of course, after his mother died, Don lost that, that very intimate connection, that intuitive kind of communication that he had. And when he came up to Toronto, um, he had to start finding ways to communicate with people who didn't know him, as well as with his sister and her family, who certainly didn't know him as well as Bernice and and his father Wilfred did. So Don had to really um, decide to make an effort to to learn some other ways to communicate, and that's when he started at the program where he and I met, um, learning to develop a communication book, because at that time, he didn't have the technology, but he had a, a book of symbols and pictures and words that he could recognize. And he used a pointer with his right hand to flip through the book and point at words and phrases. And with that book, that's when he began to go out shopping independently for the first time and start going out and going to listen to country music by himself taking wheel trans and, and just getting out into the community. So having the means to communicate was certainly key to developing that kind of independence. And Don is saying phone? Sorry, Don was just pointing to a phone and saying it for the first time he was able to, to talk to people on the phone um, and he would mostly use vocalizations for that. So. Right. Now... I'm going to ask Jane a question which I will also be asking Don, but in a different way. And I, I'm wondering, to put, the, to put the question to you first, what were the communications difficulties that Don experienced? And then I'm going to ask Don about the frustrations he experienced, whether those relate specifically to communications or to other things in his life. So, Jane, please you begin by explaining a bit more about the communications difficulties that Don experienced, even after he'd got uh, all this, this help with the technology and so on. Well, I guess the biggest difficulty, perhaps, is that communication, as we all know, has to be a two-way street. You know, it doesn't, there's no communication happening if there isn't a listener and a speaker. 
And so Don can find all the means in the world to enable him to speak, but if nobody's listening, then there's a real problem. And so I think sometimes what happens is that people get caught up in the technology and they they see the Dynavox mounted on Don's wheelchair and they say, wow, isn't that cool? And wow, how does that work? And miss the fact that there's a person behind it who is actually saying something to them. So you can see how, how it can be frustrating if people aren't there ready to listen and ready to engage in a two-way conversation with Don. Right. Don, my question for you. Please tell us about the frustrations that you've experienced, whether these are in your communications or in life generally. Don? Sometimes I am frustrated. People don't always talk to me. Sometimes they see the computer, they don't see me. And Don has an example. February 1996, past Saturday, I came in here, Birchmont Tavern, and asked for service. I was ignored for nine hours. Nine hours. Don was at a place that he had often been to before, and we still don't really know what happened, although it went out of business. And um, But that particular day, nobody would talk to Don, and he was there because he was stuck there, because he didn't have a wheel-trans ride back until a particular time. And he had been planning to spend the whole Sunday there. And nobody talked to him. That had a a devastating uh, impact on Don. My first question to Don in the first segment brought Don to say, I am Don Smith. The cerebral palsy is just one thing that is part of my life, but I am Don Smith. Those are not exactly his words, but that's yeah. the message I got. What, uh, I, I, you agree with that, Don? Uh, yeah. Um, what I'm hearing about that incident that you've just described is that nobody saw Don Smith. Exactly, yeah. And... Uh, Don has another story. We were trying to find it because we know he wrote it before and he wanted to bring it up for this interview. We couldn't find it on his Dynavox, but he went to the exhibition one time and a Boy Scout was designated to help him get around the exhibits. And Don was trying, was so frustrated because he, he knew where he wanted to go. The Boy Scout wouldn't let Don see the map. And it took about three hours before the Boy Scout realized that he could talk to Don. Um, So again, it's not just realizing that Don could talk to him, but he didn't even realize that he could talk to Don. Because I think often for anyone in a wheelchair, people make all sorts of assumptions. And they will certainly make the assumption that somebody isn't mentally capable 
just because they might not be physically capable. Is there, is there any practical step that can be taken uh, to draw attention to the Boy Scout, the people in the, in the pub or wherever it was, that first of all, there's a Don Smith here, and secondly, Don Smith is someone with whom you can communicate in your own voice, speaking normally, because he's perfectly able to understand what you say. Is there any way of signaling that to the kind of people you've been talking about? Well, it's funny, you know, I think that that really all people have to do is is look at Don because <laughs> Don's laughing, but you just see the intelligence in his eyes right away if if you're looking at him, and maybe there that's still there's still so much stigma surrounding disability, and maybe sometimes people don't want to look at someone in a wheelchair or they're afraid of all sorts of things. They're afraid of offending. They're afraid of staring. They're afraid even just of the reminder of their own mortality, who knows. But but people just need to look at each other more, don't you think, Don? Oh. <laughs> yeah. So that comes back to, doesn't it, people being people in the way that they relate to each other and relate to Don and other people like him uh, by relating normally. By smiling and grinning and waving and talking and speaking. That's, that's the story, isn't it? Mm. Yep. Yeah. Got it. Now, this is very, very important and very revealing. We've reached the point where we do have to take the break again. But I'm going to um, return to some of these issues because I think they're so profoundly important. And um, I, I want the message, I want the story to be heard. So let's take the short break now. This is Dr. Gordon Atherley, and my guest, guests are Don Smith and Jane Field. You're listening to Family Caregivers Unite on the Voice America Variety Channel. Stay tuned. We're coming back. News. Opinion. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. Get your weekly wake-up call for the oblivious. Tune in every week for Rant and Rave Radio with your hosts, Nathan Jetstream Jet and Mike Hardcore Elmore. Nothing is off our table. In fact, there's more on it than we care to talk about. It's a common-sense perspective on the people and happenings going on around us every single day. Leave it to Mike and Nathan to educate you on politics and society. Tune in to Rant and Rave Radio every Thursday night at 5 p.m. Pacific Time, 8 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Variety Channel. Can you imagine a technology that takes human consciousness to the next level? One that reveals a new understanding of what is valuable and possible in the abundant support of life? The truth is, we already have that technology. We simply need to awaken to it and become the value it creates. For more about this, please tune in to Awakening Value, Shamanic Technologies of Consciousness and Success with host Marty Spiegelman. Awakening Value is live every Thursday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Help, you know I need someone. 
You are listening to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please address them by email to docg at mymonami.com. That's doc, letter G, at M-Y-M-O-N-A-M-I dot com. Now, back to Family Caregivers Unite. Welcome back to Family Caregivers Unite and my two guests, Jane Field and Don Smith. Um, Our topic is How Don Found His Voice, a story from life with cerebral palsy. Now, let's talk about the way, more about the way in which technology helps Don to communicate. Now, I, I want to, you to tell us more about from whom Don got help with his communication, com- communications technology, and what would be the situation now. What I'm actually dro- driving at is, was there any kind of um, method of getting funding for this? Where did the funding come from? Was it expensive? What about other people with these kind of needs? Jane, please tell us about how Don got his help. Well, certainly, Gordon, um, there needs to be a lot more done to, to get help for people who communicate differently and with different devices. Um, the Assistive Devices Program in Ontario helps with some of the technological aids. Um, Don, in fact, has to sort of rent his Dynavox, and the assistive devices program will help him cover the cost of that rent. But he doesn't actually own the Dynavox. Is that right, Don? Yeah. Yeah. So um, he first was introduced to it at the Blue Review Macmillan Center, which was a, is a center for children with disabilities. Um, but at the time, there was really nothing for adults. And there's a huge gap there because when children are identified as having special needs and they go to school, they're sort of tapped into the system, as it were. And as they progress and their needs change, the system hopefully <laughs> follows along with them and they're able to get new and different devices as they come out. Adults kind of fall into a bit of a a gap, and now there are some places at West Park Hospital in Toronto. Don has had a lot of help there, and um, the first person that he worked with at at, um, Blue Review Macmillan, she has stayed in Don's life as a friend, and she continues to help on with his communication um, but really there, I think there, there does need to be a lot more in terms of services for adults and places for adults to go to continue to practice with the technologies because if you're not in school it's a problem. Now I'm going to ask Don a very different question because you see Don you've been talking to us about frustrations and difficulties, and if I may say so, a very moving family history. What you were saying about your family caregivers, the love and the importance and the relationship, those kinds of things Mm. um, are really moving. Um, But they speak to difficulties. 
Now, my question to you is this. What really makes the sun shine for you? What, what is it that makes that sun gleam in your life? Don? Zebra, my cat. Bernice, my bird. Country, music. Family and friends. Memories. It's, it's interesting, Gordon, when you say what makes the sun shine, Dawn started to cry. <laughs> it's a, a real mixture of emotions because um, there's so many things that he loves so passionately and you just have to mention animals sometimes and he'll <laughs> burst into tears. But it, it's, it's a mixture of, of just passion and joy and how deeply he feels things. Right, Dawn? Yeah. yeah. Don, it's also a story of Don himself, because Don, you're not alone in caring for about animals and enjoying country music, doing all the things that make you make your sunshine also make other people's sunshine. And so that, again, is Don being the person. Mm. enjoying normal things, mm. forgive that word, that everybody else enjoys. That's mm. a powerful message, isn't it? Mm. Yeah. yeah. Now, the, the story behind this episode has been voice, how Don found his voice. But there's another way in which voice is important, and that is for Don and people like him, to have their voices heard by the people who make the decisions about the communications technology, about the, the way yeah. in which devices are, are allocated, the resources, and all those kinds of yeah. things. So my question to you both, uh, maybe Joan first, is how do we help people like Don get their voices heard by the people who are in charge of the money, the resources, and the help. How do we do that? Well, I guess uh, one thing we can do is, is write letters to our local uh, government representatives to explain uh, gaps and services that as, as we encounter them, when we encounter them, because it's no good just to complain that the service isn't there, is it? We have to then decide to do something about it. Um, there is an um, International Society for Augmentative and Alternative Communication. The abbreviation for that is ISAAC, I-S-A-A-C. And you can find them online and find ways to, to get involved uh, for anyone who's interested in learning more about alternative communication. Um, there's also the Augmentative Communication Community Partnerships Canada, that's ACCPC, and they can be found online as well. Um, there's a, a young man right now who's making a journey across Canada, and his journey is called Kilometers for Communication, and I encourage people to look that up online. He's traveling all across Canada uh, cycling, and his brother, I think it's his older brother, is non-speaking because of cerebral palsy and he's making the journey for his brother and to raise awareness about communication. So I guess it's a matter of uh, 
of taking an interest and then finding out ways in which you can help. What do you think, Don? Yeah, uh, Don's nodding. Uh, right. So action becomes voice. That's what you've just said to us, isn't it? That is, um, the, uh, the, the walking across Canada is a way of speaking, that young man speaking for his brother, because his brother doesn't have the actual voice to speak, but nevertheless, the words that the brother once heard are being spoken through these actions. That's a very powerful message too, isn't it? Indeed. Now, it, we've only got a very short time, but I would just like to ask you very quickly this question. That book you've written, and listeners can find the details of it, of it on the uh, website for this episode. Has that helped raise awareness of the kind of things that both of you, both you and Don, are talking about and wanting to see happen? Uh, Don says yes. <laughs> um, certainly many people have read Don's story and, and just been amazed at, at really the journey that he has come through and uh, the life that he has had and the ways in which he has managed to communicate all his life with or without technology. It's a, a story of, of Don and his perseverance um, and just the incredible person that he is. It's the story of Don the communicator, isn't it? That's what he's done. He's shared his life. He's shared his feelings. His mum, Bernice, was able to communicate with him because they bonded. They were loving people in his life. That's family caregiving, and that's the most powerful message that I can leave with you both. So we are, we are at the end of this episode, sadly, because there's much more we could say. But I want to say, first of all, thank you to our listeners. And please do email us with your comments and questions, which I'll pass along to Jane and Don. I want to say a particular thank you, obviously, to Don and to Jane for sharing with us all those experiences and all those emotions and all those images and all those models for what voice really stands for, what communication really stands for, and the history of a family in a rural part of Canada acting with love and courage that's passed on to Don in his life. So thank you very much for sharing that story. May it stay with us, and may you both... Get your voices heard everywhere that it needs to be heard. Um, now, our next episode, um, we're going to talk um, about another type of problem, which is threats to seniors. So please join us, same time, same spot on the internet. Um, talk to you then. Thank you again for joining us this week for Family Caregivers Unite with your host, Dr. Gordon Atherley. Please tune in again next Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. And until then, we hope our program will help make the coming week easier and more hopeful. And I do appreciate you being around. 
Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.